Intentionally Grounded. I'm your host, Brian Willie, along with my co-host, John Kesselring. Episode 86 features Hall of Fame quarterback, Kurt Warner. Kurt will discuss with us his career in football, including his journey to the NFL, developing a proper mindset, and the lessons he learned in the game of football, both coaching and playing. Kurt will also discuss with us how to develop full field pass concepts designed to beat any coverage and designed to train your quarterback to be highly effective in any concept. Kurt will also discuss the release of his new platform, QB Confidential, which is set to release at the end of March and take a holistic approach to developing the next generation of effective quarterbacks. Season 4, Episode 8 of Intentionally Grounded with Kurt Warner starts now. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, we're joined today uh, with a man who needs no introduction, a Hall of Fame quarterback, Kurt Warner. Uh, Kurt, first of all, thanks for joining us. And second of all, tell us a little bit about your, your background in coaching and, and maybe your background in football. You have quite the story that just is, is inspirational to you know, all fans of football. Uh, well, thank you. Thanks for having me. Um, obviously, background, I've been playing football, uh, a part of football for, gosh, I mean, it's crazy now you start thinking about it, 40 40 plus years, um, you know, growing up playing um, and then obviously playing all the different leagues that I played in and uh, through the NFL. And then once I got done playing, uh, I've got a couple boys that play football. And so um, when my older son or my middle son that, that plays football um, started playing in high school, I said, OK, let me uh, let me get a couple extra hours a day with him and uh, maybe help him chase after what he wants to chase after by by teaching him the game that I love. So I started coaching um, at the high school level, um, you know, when he started high school. And I've got another son that's uh, actually just finished his junior year uh, football-wise. So he's got one more year of high school. And so uh, I'll probably call it quits um, after he's done, just from a strict, uh, you know, organized coaching profession type deal. Um, I love it. I love it when my boys are out there, but uh, it just takes up too much time for me. But I still love to coach. And so I do a lot of uh, personal instruction with different guys, uh, NFL guys and college guys, and, and then sometimes high school guys. Um, I'm also creating a, a teaching and instruction platform that I call QB Confidential that I'm going to be releasing here, uh, I think, in April, late March, early April, um, which will kind of be, uh, I think, my springboard into the, you know, to, to keep me involved in coaching. But it's kind of all on my own schedule and I'll be able to reach the masses. That's other, another thing that I've always thought was hard is that I always wanted to, to share my knowledge and expertise. But, you know, when you're coaching in high school, you get two or three kids in which you can work on. You, you know, if you're doing some individual instruction, you get two or three kids. And, um, you know, I just know there's so many kids out there that, that need to learn, that want to learn. And this is going to become, I, I believe, my platform to be able to uh, coach coaches, to be able to coach players. Uh, and to be able to teach fans more about this game and, and help them get what they want out of it. Um, you know, so it, it's been a lot of playing, obviously, uh, and then dabbling into the coaching part of it. Uh, but it's something that I love. I love the X's and O's. Uh, I love the mindset that goes into playing this game. Um, and that was what I always fell in love with and what I missed when I, when I got them playing was just how do I feed that competitive uh, nature that I have? How, how do I – you know, design something or figure out the next thing that allows me mentally to be challenged like the game of football did. And so, um, you know, just trying to, to figure out my little niche 
to be able to give back to people and, and uh, allow them to maybe get out of the game what I was able to get out of the game, but do it in, in, in such a manner that, uh, you know, I don't have to give up a lot of time away from my family because I sacrificed a lot of that when I was going on my journey. And so how do I do both things? And you know, I think this is going to be the means to doing that as much as I've enjoyed coaching the high school level. Um, you know, I, I want to kind of chase my kids around and watch them play at the next level. And I want to you know, chase my girls around that don't play football. And, uh, and then my wife tells me that I, that I want to spend more time with her as well, um, which is definitely true. I, I do want to spend more time with my wife and, and find ways for us to connect and then do all of that and still find a way uh, to be able to impact people for the game. And that's the reason I created that platform. And so in a nutshell, I kind of skipped over the playing part of it because I think a lot of people know that or have heard that story. Um, and so just kind of touched a little bit there on uh, how I got into coaching and what I'm doing now and, and you know, why we're talking and really my passion uh, to be able to teach people that want to either play or teach the game. I, I think I have so much to offer and it's just trying to find the outlet to be able to, uh, you know, to get people that information and allow them to use it to, uh, you know, to, to accomplish whatever it is they want out of this game. Now, Kurt, your journey to the league was well chronicled and, and having overcome the adversity of being undrafted and turning your opportunities into a Hall of Fame career. And you kind of segued perfectly into this, but what was your mindset like those few years uh, when you were fighting just to get an opportunity in the NFL, whether it was playing in, in the Arena Football League, NFL Europe, or or having other jobs outside of football? Well, the, the mindset really wasn't that different, you know, because I knew I could play the game. And that's one of the things, I, you know, when people hear my story, they kind of gravitate to the negative aspects, right? The, the, the huge contrast from sitting on the bench for four years or, or getting cut by the Packers or working in a grocery store to, oh my gosh, you know, winning a Super Bowl and, and going to the Hall of Fame. And so they contrast that and just think, oh, my gosh, you know, what, you know, must it have been like when he was going through all of these challenges? And then all of a sudden, you know, he kind of hit the lottery. And for me, you know, the funny thing was, is, you know, I played one year in college. And that one year I was the player of the year in our conference. I played three years in arena football and I was the top quarterback in the league all three years. We went to the championship game two of those three years. Played in Europe same story. So my mindset was, oh, when I'm between the lines and somebody puts a ball in my hands, I can play this game. And so there was never, you know, a time where I just thought, oh my gosh, maybe I'm not good enough. Maybe I can't do this. My mindset from a football standpoint was always just give me the opportunity and I will show whoever, wherever, whenever that I can play this game. The hard part was the opportunity wasn't coming. And that's where it gets frustrating is it's like, I know I can do this, but how do I get an opportunity? Who's going to give me the opportunity? And that was the thing that you really had to fight through was, okay, just because it hasn't come yet, don't let that take your mind off of preparing for if and when that opportunity comes. Because you know what I knew along the journey was I wasn't going to be like a lot of guys that might get three or four or five opportunities. When that opportunity came, I was probably going to get one opportunity. And if I showed people that I could do it, I could stay. If I showed people I wasn't able to do it that first time out, I probably wasn't going to get another shot. And so that was the battle that I had to face was keep doing what you know to do. Keep playing. Keep believing that you can do it. And then, you know, we got to pray and we got to hope somebody 
just kind of extends that that olive branch and says, okay, here, here you go. We're going to give you that shot you've been waiting for. Um, but I think it's, you know, it's too easy to allow those other things that are out of our control to start dominating our mindset. And for me, I just had to be realistic about who I was and what I believed about myself. And then I had to kind of let the powers that be work on everything else instead of letting that take me away from what I knew I needed to do to be prepared for that opportunity. And so, um, you know, the mindset was focused on football, focus on what you know you can do, um, continue to try to work and present yourself with new opportunities. But, you know, I wasn't going to be able to create an opportunity for someone to give me a chance. Someone else was going to have to take that initiative um, and just say, hey, we'll bring him in for a tryout or, or we'll give him a shot. Uh, but too often, I think we get so focused on that and we spend all of our time going, sitting around going, okay, how do I, pre you know, get an opportunity when there really isn't a whole lot that we could do? I mean, I put together my own highlight tapes and, you know, I called people. I went to other people's pro days um, and just asked if I could throw. I mean, I did all of those things that I could control and that I felt like I could put my best foot forward. But then there comes a point where it's like, you know, I can sit here and wait by the phone for hours. That's not going to make anybody call, you know, that, uh, and so that to me is, I think the key part of it is, do we spend our energy focusing on what we can control, what we can get better at and prepare ourselves for the opportunity, or do we spend our time and, and our focus on things that are really out of our control? And all that does is beat us up and take us away from what we really should be doing to prepare to, uh, to accomplish what we want to accomplish. Now, if we look at your entirety of your career, Kurt, and you kind of just reflect back on everything, what were some of those moments or maybe teachable opportunities that really have had a profound and lasting impact on you, whether it be as a quarterback development standpoint or just maybe as a leader? Man, I mean, <laughs> we could probably spend two hours just talking about this. There's so many of them. Um, you know, I'll go back to college. So, you know, sitting on the bench in college and um, you know, I, I would get to play, you know, garbage time or I get to play obviously in the spring game and, and, and have kind of my moments to showcase what I could do. And in those moments, I always played really, really well. And so there was a frustrating part of going, OK, I think I'm the most talented quarterback that we have here. Why am I not playing? And you know, I think that's a, a common thing for all of us. Hey, I can throw the ball farther. I can do this better. I can run faster. And we automatically think that is what it's all about. That's what's going to separate us is that we have greater physical skills than somebody else. And so that was my mindset for a period of time in college. And, you know, I had a friend that was a little bit older than me, had a good relationship with the coaches. And because I had that mindset, I asked him, would you mind going up to the coaches and, and just asking them why I'm not playing? Like, what's the problem here? If, if you see the talent and you know I'm more talented than the guy in front of me, why can't I get on the football field? So he went and talked to the coaches and I remember him coming down and, and uh, having this conversation in the locker room. And, and uh, you know, I said, okay, what, what the coaches say, you know, what can I do? And I remember him looking back at me and he going and, and him saying, you know, the coaches told me that you're not a very good practice player. And, you know, I remember, you know, this was before Allen Iverson went on his rant. Uh, but that was the same thing that was going on in my head. Like practice, are we really talking like, I'm not good enough in practice, but every time you see me in a game or a scrimmage situation, I tear it up. But you're going to really worry about what I do in practice. And that's what's going through my mind here. And the more I thought about it, 
the more it started to make sense to me that you know, 95, 99% of the time that people see us is in practice. You know, it's, it's not in front of the, the, you know, hundreds of people in, in a big conference, you know, or, or in the big meeting room against, you know, you know, up talking to the big wigs or, you know, for us under the lights on, you know, a, a Saturday night or, or, or Sunday afternoon, we don't get very many of those. But what we do get is we get all these opportunities to practice. And every practice we have shows the people around us something about us, shows my teammates what kind of leader I'm going to be, shows my coaches what they can expect from me, right? They can't just throw me into eight games and go, okay, well, let's give him eight games to see if he can, he can do this. They want to see what I do every day in practice. How do I handle a bad play, right? Do I show up every day and compete at a certain level? Do I have a certain level of consistency? to be able to, uh, you know, for them to be able to know exactly what they're getting from me, no matter what the situation. And so that was a lesson that I learned and probably learned the hard way, but how important practice is, how important our every day is and how everybody is watching everything we do, right? They're not just watching what we do for three hours in the middle of a big moment. They're watching how we do things every day and whether they can trust us by putting the ball in our hands, you know, or allowing us to take on a specific role in, in our business and, you know, take on a big client or whatever that is, you've got to show me who you're going to be every single day in practice. And so that was a lesson that I learned, um, you know, way that I prided myself on uh, as I moved forward was that I was going to try to win every rep in practice. I was going to compete in practice, uh, you know, as much as I did in any game. I didn't want the ball to ever touch the ground, no matter what the situation was. And that mindset was really established when I was in college. Um, you know, another sequence, when I, you know, was done with college, I was fortunate, even though I played one year, to get a free agent trial with the Packers. And I remember the with the Packers and, you know, it, it been there was like the first day of minicamp. And, and, you know, if you guys are familiar with the NFL and their playbooks are about three inches thick and, you know, they hand you this playbook and it's overwhelming. You're like, oh my gosh, look at all this information in here. And so they gave it to me the night before and we got to practice the next day. And, you know, my mindset was just, okay, I just got here. They got all these really good players in front of me. You know, I'm probably just going to spend the day just kind of sitting back watching and taking it in because, because they just, they just gave it to me. And sure enough, in practice, um, my coach, and it's actually Steve Mariucci, who actually works with me on the NFL Network now, uh, he calls me and goes, Kurt, go in. <clears throat> and I just remember thinking, coach, I can't go in. I don't know what I'm doing. You know, like, there's no chance I can go in there. Because once again, my mindset when he called me up was, oh, my gosh, I'm going to go in there and I'm going to screw up because I don't know what I'm doing. And then they're going to look at me and say, oh, he can't do this. And they're going to cut me. And so it was the only time in my entire life where I told the coach I wasn't going to go in. I'm like, coach, I'm not I'm not going in because my mindset was I'm going to wait until I'm ready. So then when I do get those reps, I can showcase what I'm able to do and prove to them that I belong on this stage. And so you know, he kind of shook me off and couldn't believe that I, I wasn't going to go in like this is what I'm here for. <clears throat> so long story short, a few weeks later. Uh, you know, he calls me in and obviously I get released 
by, you know, by the Packers at that time. And, you know, we always joke all the time. I always tell him, well, you cut me. And he always looks back at me and goes, no, you cut you. You know, with you weren't ready to be able to handle what we needed you to handle. And that one sequence was, um, you know, was a, a microcosm of what they were talking about was I was so afraid to fail, feeling like it was failure that was going to get me cut. When in actuality, it was the fear of failure that got me cut. They were basically saying, if you're afraid to go into practice and take the ball in your hands in an uncomfortable situation, how can we ever trust you with the ball in your hands to lead our team on a Sunday afternoon when all kinds of stuff are going to be flying at you? And once again, I never thought of that, right? My mindset was, okay, what's going to give me the best opportunity while they were looking at it the same way and going, hey, if this guy can go in and thrive in the uncomfortable, you know, if he can thrive in the unknown, now we, we know that we might have something special here. But they saw that and said, hey, the fear of failure is too big for this guy right now that he can't play at this level. So another lesson that I learned in that moment was never again was I going to be afraid to fail. Never again was I, was I going to be afraid to put myself in a situation. And, you know, I always, when I talk to quarterbacks now, I use the phrase that you always have to be willing to be the reason. And what I mean by that is you've got to be able to, to be willing to have the ball in your hands and A, be the reason that your team wins, right? You've got to be able to say, okay, big moment, put it in my hands. I will lead us to the promised land. I will make the play. But you also have to be willing to be the reason why your team loses. You've got to also be willing to say, put the ball in my hands. And if we lose because of me, I can handle that. I can live with that. Put that on my shoulders and you can trust me with that, good or bad. But if you can't do both, you're probably not going to thrive in the biggest moments on the biggest stage when you've got to lead other, you know, other people to a certain goal. And, you know, so that was a lesson that it taught me. Um, and I'll give you one more, Brian, because like I said, I could go on forever. Uh, but I'll give you one more because everybody knows the story that I went from Green Bay, got cut and, and found myself working in a grocery store. Uh, you talk about a humbling situation to be, you know, about this close to, to your dream. And then uh, to have to humble yourself and work for five fifty an hour stocking shelves at night in a grocery store where you're sitting here going, okay, I don't know how I got here. And I don't know how I'm getting out of here to get back to, to my dream, but it was very humbling situation. And, you know, for the first probably week or so, that was all that went through my mind is, okay, my gosh, how did I get here? And how am I getting out of here? And woe is me. Why do I have to be the one working in the grocery store? Blah, 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 blah. Stuff that nobody wants to hear. Um, but ultimately I was able to, to work through that. And I remember saying to myself, okay, this is where I'm at right now. This is the place that I've been put in. What can I do right here, right now that could ultimately help me accomplish my dream down the road? Now, most people would look at that and go, ah, I don't know if there's anything you can learn from stocking shelves in a grocery store that's going to help you make it to the NFL or have success in the NFL. But I would say if you look hard enough, there's always things that you can learn and you can you can work towards uh, or help you to work towards your goal. So what I remember when I was stocking shelves, and I don't know if any one of you guys ever worked in a grocery store or ever stocked shelves, but when you stock shelves at night, you know, your first role is to, you know, to get all the product that, that's running out and, and, and stock the shelves. But at the end of every night, 
our job as stock boys um, was to face the aisles. And so what that means is we go to, you know, every single product in an aisle. And even if the shelves aren't full, we pull the product to the front of the shelf and we line up the labels perfectly. So when somebody walks down the aisle, they can see what kind of soup they're getting or what kind of baby food or what kind of cereal. But we make it look like our aisle is completely full, you know, from front to back, every single item. So it looks pristine when somebody comes down the aisle. And so, and you guys know, I mean, the first person that comes down the aisle, who knows, is, a, is um, you know, a guy that's going off to work and he comes in at 6.30 before he's running off to work to grab something. Or it's a, it's a mom that, you know, needs to get baby food or, or milk for her kids and running through it. They could care less. I don't think anybody would ever walk in and say, oh my gosh, look how nice this aisle looks at 5.30 or 6.30 in the morning, right? It would never cross anybody's mind. But for me, it became um, like what I call a badge of excellence was that before I left every day, I was going to make sure that my aisle was the best it could possibly be. I, I challenged myself to have the best faced aisle in all of the Hy-Vee grocery store. Even if nobody ever recognized it, I did. I knew what it took to make sure that I was doing my job to the best of my ability, that I was doing my job with excellence, even though nobody might ever notice. Even though it was working in a grocery store and I could say to myself, this probably will have no bearing on, on anything I do in the future. What I realized is it, it, it shaped a mindset in me that excellence was important to me in everything that I did. Everywhere I went, every little detail, whether somebody noticed it or they didn't notice it, it became important to me. And it became a mindset for me that, man, I want to be excellent as a husband. I want to be excellent as a father. I want to be excellent as a coach, as a player. Whatever it is I choose to do, man, playing a game or cleaning the house, I want to do it with excellence. I want to do it with a certain standard. And it was something that I learned in the grocery store. And, you know, in my, in my Hall of Fame speech, I, you know, I made a statement. I said, sometimes you got to do what you got to do while you're waiting to do what you're born to do. And I think so many people in life that resonates with them is that, you know, they don't just go from here to their dream right off the bat. They find themselves very similar to me in their, you know, stock, stocking shelves moment or their grocery store moment. And you go, well, I have to do this right now. But how do I parlay this? How do I learn something in this that will ultimately help me to be who I want to be and accomplish what I want to accomplish? So, Ryan, those are a few uh, little stories about different times in my life. And, and a lot of people might look at those times and say, oh, those were times of failure. And you, you could look at it that way. But I look at it as, you know, everything is a process. And we've got to face every situation and go, okay, what can I learn? How can I better myself through this process so I can become what I want to be when it's all said and done? And, and those were part of the process for me. All of those moments were part of the process and part of me growing and becoming both the player and more importantly, the person that I wanted to be. Now, having spent time as a coach at the high school level, in your opinion, what is the biggest area of concern that you see high school quarterbacks um, exhibit in, in their development? And what are some ways that coaches can go about improving that? Well, I mean, I think, I mean, I think there's all kinds of issues and I could tell you the same issues all the way up to the NFL level. Um, but you know, the first thing is always technique. 
I don't think, you know, very many kids truly understand the technique that goes into the position. And, and, and I'll tell you, I'm the first one to tell you, even though I, I think I understand it, it's very hard at the high school level with the amount of time that you're given in practice to really improve that. And so, you know, I look at that, you know, as more than anything is, you know, trying to give these kids a foundation that they can go work on on their own. You know, and that's kind of the approach that that I had when I was growing up. You know, you didn't have quarterback coaches. You didn't have quarterback gurus. You didn't have these people you could go call on to help you. So it was, okay, if I can give you a little bit of knowledge, and again, this will come back to like QB Confidential, I want to give those people a foundation that they can use and they can take and apply and they have it readily available. But that's the hard thing is there's so much technique that goes into playing quarterback that it's really hard to teach that. And, you know, the biggest thing is, can I teach you a little bit where you will take that and apply that and be able to learn? Um, you know, and that's probably as, as much to these quarterback coaches that are out there as anything. They get a lot more time with these kids than, than, than coaches actually do. Um, that I would just say, you know, that to me is important, is that if you're going to take on the role of being a quarterback coach, uh, truly understand the technique that goes into it and, you know, really try to help your young kids build the right foundation. And then the second piece is, you know, I'm a firm believer, you know, having played as long as I did and not being necessarily a great athlete, um, that I believe you can play this game and you can have success in this game by understanding what you're doing, understanding what you're reading, where your eyes need to be, how to simplify the game as quickly as possible. Um, and I think that's uh, something that, most high school quarterbacks don't get. Um, you know, there's not a great understanding of whether it's developing plays or, you know, teaching guys and, and truly getting them ready for the next level if they want to play at the next level. I see too many guys that are just very talented kids and they're running around and just buying time and then they throw the ball up 50 yards and everybody gets all excited, but they really don't have the foundation to be able to take their game to the next level when it comes to the mental part of the game. So those are two things that when I have time at the high school level, I'm always trying to focus on because I think those are two things that carry over to whatever level you go at. You know, at some point you're not going to have the strongest arm or you're not going to be able to run around and be the best athlete. But if you have good technique and you understand what you're doing, that is something that will translate from high school to college, from college to pro and anywhere you want to play. So those are the two areas that I think lack um, the most understanding and teaching at the high school level. But I think they're also the two things that can, you know, create the most success at what, you know, even if it's just at the high school level for quarterbacks um, moving forward is if you're capable of doing those two things, I think you're, you're set up for having success at whatever level you play at. Uh, kind of going off that a little bit, Kurt, you know, one of the things that, you know, when you talk to different coaches, they're going to have different philosophies on how they develop their pass game and how they're going to teach those different types of skills to their quarterbacks. And so sometimes you'll hear coaches talk about more of a, a read-based progression um, as they teach their concepts. And then you'll also find some coaches who just really preach the coverage identification and then kind of, you know, formulate different coverage beaters within their playbook. In your opinion, is there a more beneficial way uh, to go ahead and teach these high school quarterbacks? Or do you think it really is kind of individual and depends on the kid and the program? Well, as you said, we're all biased, right? We all believe in one thing over another. But 
in my experience and, you know, based on the way that I played the game, um, I think pure progression is nice and it sounds really, really good. But I think in the long run, it's a detriment to two quarterbacks that it hurts them more than it helps them. Now, I get it. We want a guy to come in and be able to learn and play quickly, right? We want an athlete to come in and not have to overthink and just play the game. I get all of that, and I understand that. And, and I think there's a place for pure progression in the passing game. I just don't think it's a place to live. And why I say that is because it's really, really hard to develop timing uh, for a quarterback in a pure progression type system. When you're asking a guy to hey, look at your receiver and tell me if he's open and if he's open, throw it to him. Well, okay. What, what does that mean? How long can I wait on them to see if they're open? You know? And, and so I see all these quarterbacks that have a lot more hesitation that it takes them a lot longer to get through their progressions because they're trying to figure out what open looks like. And then how does open connect to my next route? Because to me, every route should be based on a sense of timing where, you know, just for simplicity, let's just say your first read is your first hitch, your second read is your second hitch, your third read is your third hitch. But when you're telling a guy to do pure progression and to figure out whether that guy's open or not, it's really hard to do that because I'm trying to decipher so many different things or I'm looking at my guy and going, okay, is that open or can I fit the ball into him? And I truly believe in my philosophy is always, I don't ever want you to look at my, your receivers. I want you to always look at the defense. Because if you know what the defense is doing, they will always be able to tell you where to throw the football if you have a good concept. And so I am very much, um, you know, progression based off of coverage or read based off of defenders more so than pure progression. And now sometimes they, they tie into one another. But I think even in a pure progression system, you need to teach your guys what they're looking at and who to look at and how to determine whether a guy is open. And to me, the only way to determine if a guy is open is to know what the defense is doing, right? If, if we're just trying to beat someone with a throw every time, I just don't think that's a recipe for success, right? I mean, you guys, I'm sure everybody's familiar with the mesh concept. And I'm not a big fan of the mesh concept. I mean, I love it versus man. Of course, that can always be. But against zone, because most times the, the mesh concept puts three different guys in three different zones. And so as a quarterback, I say to myself, okay, who, who am I reading here? And well, they'll say, well, you're going to just kind of look at this guy and he'll stop if the defender's here or he'll keep going if the defender. And so now it's basically like, oh, so you're just saying, my receiver has to do the right thing and beat that defender, and then we'll be successful. Well, okay. I mean, I could say that on every play. Well, my guy's just got to beat your guy, and then we'll be successful. But as a quarterback, I don't want to live in that world. I don't, I don't want to think, oh, well, my receiver's got to do the right thing, and I got to throw it away from this guy to be successful. I would much rather say, okay, I've got two guys in Brian's zone. I got one guy underneath and one guy over the top. I'm going to look at Brian. And if Brian jumps the guy underneath, I'll throw the guy over the top. If Brian drops back to the guy deeper, I'll throw the one underneath. I guarantee you success in that situation if you can read Brian. Whereas I don't have to beat him with a throw. He's going to tell me where to throw the football. And so that's where I base all of my passing game 
is to make sure I'm giving my quarterback an advantage on every play if I can. And obviously we all know that there's not, you can't create a thousand plays that are good against every coverage just as well as another coverage. But uh, to me, I just, I can watch it all the way up to the NFL level. And the teams that are more pure progression, I watch their quarterback play with more hesitation and miss more things because they're trying to figure out who's open and when I get my eyes to the next guy, as opposed to, you know, building in a passing game that is more based on timing, more based on reading defenders, and more based on giving your quarterback a true outlet or read on every particular play. You know, oftentimes we'll see coaches create their offensive system and pass game around coverage beater concepts. And they'll have two to three concepts to defeat every coverage. One issue that comes up with that is that you're putting a lot of emphasis into the proper coverage ID by your quarterback and the coordinator both. And if a defense is, is running multiple coverages or disguises as well, especially as the level increases, um, it can cause some indecision, kind of like what you talked about a little bit. Schemes and philosophies like the air raid have tried to alleviate this with their full field progression based systems for coaches looking to develop some full field reads built in to handle different types of coverages. Where is the best place to start? You know, it, it, that's tough because, you know, I, I'm, I am a firm believer that not a lot of, you know, concepts truly beat every coverage. But to me, it's about layers. And, you know, I've got a, a theory, and I'm not even going to be able to go into all of it here. Uh, but, again, I'll, I'll point people back to QB Confidential when, when, I, um, when I launch that. Um, but I have a 10-zone approach. And so I break the field into basically 10 zones. I've got five underneath zones and five deep zones. And so to me, you know, a big part of being able to create – good pass concepts are the ability to overload a zone with a play. And so, you know, I'll just, just for instance, okay. In a, in a pure progression play that everybody has in their playbook is a play that can attack on three levels, right? We very seldom have any zone coverage in football where we've got a guy that sits in the underneath zone, a guy that sits in the middle zone and a guy that would sit in the deep zone. You know, that it just doesn't happen. You're, you're normally just going to have two. So a good pure progression play to me might be, you know, the go or the post on the outside, a deep over route and a flat, or the post on the outside, a corner route and a flat, you know, or a go on the outside, however you want to do it, depending. You know, so now we're hitting all three levels there. And that to me is about the only way that you can be sure that a play is going to be good against every single coverage. Um, you know, because you can, you can overload the underneath zone, but then you see a cover two where they've got five guys to cover every one of the underneath zones and you can't overload. But that play is good against probably everything else that doesn't have five underneath guys. You could do the same on the back end, but there's going to be times where they play quarters and they've got four guys in the back end and you can't overload that. So to me, the only true way um, to have a great pure progression and that's good against everything is to attack an area of the field in all three zones, a deep, a middle, and an underneath zone. But once again, it's a hard concept to develop. It's really hard to be able to do that in a multitude of different ways. Thus, the reason 
you're always going to have certain plays in your playbook because they are good against everything. But most plays aren't going to be good against everything. Most plays are going to have a weakness against one of the, the base coverages that you're going to see. And that's another reason why I'm not a big fan of trying to say, well, everything is just pure progression and everything is a full field read or everything is good against every coverage because I disagree with that. I, you know, if a team knows how to play their defense and they play it correctly, it's really hard to have a good concept against every single coverage or to at least have a multitude of them. You know, there's, there's a way to have a handful of them, um, but it's hard, in my opinion, to build a whole playbook around that. And like I said, if, if somebody tells you they have it, I'd love to challenge them. And what they're probably going to tell you is, oh, well, this guy's going to end up beating the Mike linebacker. Well, that to me is not a, a great, you know, answer, or that's not a true, oh, this is good against everything. If I've got to count on one of my guys to beat another guy or my quarterback to beat a defender with the throw, you know, now we're, we're just talking semantics. And, you know, you can say what you want, but I just truly don't believe that if a defense is good and they play it right, that that becomes a good play or an every, uh, you know, an every coverage beat, beat or play. So that's why I agree. I, you know, I understand your point is that it can cause some issues. But when I go back to that 10 zone approach, a lot of times I can tell my quarterback, hey, you don't really have to know what the coverage is. Now, the coverage can help because it, in our mind, okay, three deep, four underneath, we get it. But the most important thing is if I've got, you know, an in route and a hook route that's attacking the hook area of the field, all I need you to know is how many guys are in the hook area. Is there one? Okay, if there's one guy there, you can read that play, and I don't care if you know what the coverage is. If there's two guys there, you can't read that play, and now you need to go somewhere else, and we need to decipher it that way. So it's it's my way of simplifying the game of going, you know the coverage, that's great. But more importantly, do you know what zone we're trying to attack with this play, or at least this concept? And if we have one guy against R2, or if we have two against R3, you can read that side and you can read that concept regardless of the coverage if you know where the bodies are and where the defenders are playing. So that's kind of my way of simplifying the answer. You not having to always go, oh my gosh, I don't know if that was cover two or cover four. or cover... Okay, how many guys were in the flat area? Oh, one. Okay, then read the high-low over there. And don't. I don't care if you can come back and tell me what coverage it is. All I care about is do you know where your advantage is? And do you know who you have your eyes on to read it? Take advantage of, uh, you know, of where that is. And um, so that's kind of how I try to teach it as opposed to getting so hung up all the time on coverage, right? Okay, read the near safety. We're reading the safety. We've got double post. You're going to read the near safety. Who is that safety? Is it a quarter safety? Great. Is it two safety? Is it a middle safety? I don't care. You know where our two guys are going. You know the defender that we have to read because of it. And I don't really care what the coverage is. If you're reading it correctly and you're throwing it on time, we can be successful on that type of play most of the time by you reading the zone that we're attacking and not necessarily having to come back to the sideline and me say, what coverage was it? I don't know. I just know there was one safety back there, coach, and I read that safety and threw it off that safety. I can live with that. The Kurt, you wrap things up here for us today. Tell our viewers and our listeners here where they can find out more information about QB Confidential, what some of the things that that system can benefit them from, and then you know anything else you'd like to add about your platform. 
Sure. Um, well, they can follow me on social media. So uh, my personal social media is Kurt 13 Warner uh, on Twitter and Instagram and, uh, and Facebook. But I also uh, have social media for QB Confidential. So at QB Confidential for all of those platforms uh, and Kurt Warner's QB Confidential on YouTube, which is something that we're just uh, we're just starting our channel now. So we'll have some stuff coming up here recently. But if you follow me on any of those social media platforms, we'll be sending out the information. Um, and again, to be launched at the end of March here, early of April or early April. And the way it's designed is to try to be an all-inclusive um, platform for players, coaches, and fans, depending on what you want to learn. So uh, for the first year, I've got kind of a curriculum for the first year. And so it's set up where you'll get information Monday through Friday, five days a week. Uh, on Mondays, I'll have um, uh, a segment called Blackboard Breakdowns, uh, where it's really getting in the classroom, um, you know, starting with the basics, you know, how to recognize fronts coverages, what we call, um, you know, what these coverages do, how to attack those coverages, and then be working into, you know, things like we just talked about where you take simple concepts. How do we read these concepts? As I had up there, you know, how do we base our, our reads? And, and talking through some of that stuff uh, on Tuesdays is what I call ABCs, my uh, on-the-field ABCs. So that'll be all about quarterback technique, uh, getting out on the field and taking them through, beginning foundation of how you throw a football to, you know, different kinds of throws to different kind of movement and the technique that goes there. Uh, Wednesdays, we'll go into the playbook and, um, you know, we'll start building a playbook and it's the nuances and details of everything from the simplest concepts all the way through things like uh, we were talking about before full field reads or how to put two concepts together to be able to attack different coverages Thursdays, I got something called Outside the Box, which is really just taking my story. And it's kind of, I liken it to a TED Talk. So each week you'll get, you know, seven to 10 minutes where I'm sharing a story and, and a particular lesson, kind of like we brought out a little bit earlier, Brian. Uh, so coaches and players can kind of take that with them. And really that'll be something that you don't even have to be a football fan, you know, things that you can take and apply to life. And then if you guys follow me on social media right now, I, I do a lot of these study balls. Um, and so the Friday segment uh, on the platform will be uh, a study ball segment where I get uh, the good fortune of breaking down NFL tape um, and breaking it down conceptually, concept related, conceptually, you know, coverage based uh, breakdowns, player based breakdowns, but really trying to take the game to the next level. And so there'll be those five components um, as part of the platform. Plus, there'll be a, like a coach's zone where players can or coaches can reach out and, and ask me questions about the lessons, ask me overall questions, uh, an interactive piece to be able to do kind of what we did today on a, on a smaller basis. So um, I just think it's, it's going to have more information uh, and more different angles than probably any platform that's out there. Um, and I'm excited to, uh, to get it launched, but all that information will be coming uh, throughout my social media platforms and it'll be directing people to that website when we get it up and going.